Welcome to Define You Radio. Class is in session with your host, the Southern Belle of Bold, Valencia Griffin Wallace. Are you ready to unapologetically build your confidence, achieve goals, and design a life worth living? Learn the life lessons and strategies to define your life, money, and business. Pens and papers ready? Class is now in session. Welcome to another great episode of Define You Radio Classes in Session. I am your host, Valencia Griffin-Wallace, the Southern Belle of Bold. And if you know anything about Define You Radio, we're here to give you the tips, strategies, and life lessons from those who have defined their life. You guys know you should have your pens and papers ready. I'm really excited about tonight's show. Because if you know anything about me, I'm all about the countdown to something. We should always be moving towards something. So a lot of you kings and queens should already be in countdown mode. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in just a second. Make sure you follow and connect with the show on Define You Radio's Facebook page, For updates and more, if you keep up with the Facebook page, you know I always post guest information there and some of the tips and tools that they give along the way just in case your pens and papers are not ready. Guys, I'm so excited as we move into 2018 for various reasons, okay, for various reasons. Number one, um. Y'all know I have like this whole project, this anthology, the first ever for Define You, called Through the Valley. Doesn't the name just give you chills? And in case you don't know what Through the Valley means, Through the Valley is basically when you're at the lowest point of your life, uh, mentally, emotionally, you're drained, you're ready to give up. And if you know anything if you think back to that period in your life, um, that's when the fight happens and you choose to continue to fight to get through the valley, but a lot of people actually lose their fight in the valley and turn to substance abuse or, you know, some of them commit suicide. Like serious things happen when you lose that fight in the valley. So if you want to find out more about that, make sure you go to my website at ValenciaGWallace.com. You can also inbox me on Facebook, and I would love to have you guys be part of this awesome project uh, that I'm extremely excited about. Enough about that. Let's get to the goods, classes in session, okay? So um, y'all know this month's series is countdown to 2018 or 2K18. I'm excited because tonight we are talking countdown to leadership with Dr. Sharon Porter. And I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more why I'm excited. And then we're going to go ahead and bring her on because I know you guys know my voice well enough, tired of hearing it. 
it's all good, I understand. But if you know, I, I love think all things leadership, right? That's the simplest way to say it. But um, so today, I have I found out that I'm in the running for the HOA board for where I live, which is a homeowners association. Excited? Yes. Am I going to go hard like I'm running for the White House? Of course. Do you know how much? Power and leadership comes with being on the HOA board. Not that I'm power hungry, but to be honest, they really need my help. So hopefully Dr. Sharon could give me some advice with that, that I don't become like a crazy leader if I do get elected on the board, so I could really make some changes and face it. Whether you have a business or not, you're all leaders, and you can be a better leader. So I'm done. With that being said, Let's go ahead and welcome Dr. Sharon to the show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sharon. Thank you so much, Felicia. I am so honored and so humbled to be your guest tonight. Yay. Well, we are so glad to have you. And it's so funny that, you know, we're talking about leadership today and the whole thing with the uh, with the HOA board came about. And I'm like, I'm already like, hungry with power, and I haven't even got a, <laughs> gotten it onto the board, so I, I'm definitely taking notes tonight, because I really want to be a very effective and a great leader when it comes to that. There's like um, almost 300 homes in the, the subdivision, basically, where I live. So with that being said, Dr. Sharon, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about you? Absolutely. I am so grateful. Absolutely. I am Dr. Sharon H. Porter. I live in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, currently from North Carolina. I love myself. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm a leadership development coach for a very large school district uh, in the Washington, D.C. area. I work with novice assistant principals and principals. I'm also an entrepreneur as the CEO and owner of Perfect Time, SHP, LLC, and that is a coaching and consulting firm. And through this firm, I actually focus on the three-point thrust. I focus on educators, authors, and entrepreneurs, and with leadership being the core of all three. And so with that, I'm the founder of the Grind Entrepreneur Network. That's where I work with my entrepreneurs, um, helping with startup entrepreneurship um, and with a special emphasis on the dualpreneur. And then I also um, do the Write the Book Now, where I publish books with a specialty in anthologies, and I also am an author. Um, my first book was Next in Line to Lead. Um, the class of 2017 is coming out this month, and then Women Who Lead will be coming out in January. So that's just a little bit about who I am. Yay. That's how I know you're the person to talk to as we count down to leadership. So real quick for those that don't know, what is a dualpreneur? And I have a problem with anything that ends with preneur, like my mouth oh. just will not pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And so a dualpreneur, you may hear parallelpreneur, but that is someone that has a nine-to-five 
and also have that side hustle or that grind. And so that's my specialty. Um, those individuals that are either career professionals or have that nine-to-five job, and then from five to nine, they're working their hustle and doing their grind. And so it's just an individual with those two things together and passionate about both things. And, and I, Valencia, I love the one who loves their nine-to-five. No, uh, no disrespect, no knockoff for those entrepreneurs that are full-time because I think everything is not for everyone. Uh, but my specialty of those individuals who love their job, not necessarily wanting to quit their job, but want to manage their own entrepreneurship as well as keep their career professional going on. You, and you know what's interesting? The first time um, I, that I've heard, and my hat's off to people that, you know, do both really well. Because I know um, the, the majority of the people I know that want to start businesses, their purpose of starting a business is to quit quit their nine to five. And I yes. think I only met um, maybe one person. I know of one person or maybe two people that they love their nine to five. They're not going to quit, but they still have businesses. And I'm like, <laughs> how – like, like I understand loving your job, but I'm like, like how <laughs> do you have said how and how and why would be my question? Um, because if you love your nine to five, why not just take what you do at your nine to five and create a business doing it? And that's exactly, and, and that's what basically what I've done. I'm a leadership development coach on my nine to five. Um, I develop leaders. And, and so that's exactly what I do on my own through my private consulting um, firm. I develop leaders. I just develop them through books, and I develop them through their own uh, passion, help them start up their, their dream, their passion. Um, you will find a lot of dualpreneurs who do it their skills from what they are getting paid at professionally, but then you have a whole nother set that want to do something totally different. Um, there is one, um, one entrepreneur actually that I interviewed, she was uh, in pharm pharmaceuticals, but she actually creates by hand accessories, something totally different. She loves her full-time job, but then this is just the passion that she has. And so you will find both of those things. You will find the integration, the skills being used, but also sometimes it's totally different. Now, the timepiece, Valencia, is really what's tricky. I get up at 3 o'clock every morning, 3 a.m. <laughs> I am working from 3 to 6 <laughs> Exactly, three to six. So it's it's real for me, you know. Um, I, I I'm up at three. I'm working from three to six, doing all the things that I need to do. Then I begin to pe prepare for my day, for my professional career. And then once I get home, it's all over again because I have stuff that I have to do for my job. I I host three podcasts, so I'm recording or I'm doing live. I host um, interview shows on Facebook Live. That's during the week. I'm coaching, so that's during the week. It's really something. And so you have to be committed um, to do that. 
and it's it's a different level of commitment. So it's I don't I don't really make it the same as that one hundred percent that full time entrepreneur because you're truly grinding because what you do directly impacts the income that you bring in. So that's a different hustle. Um, for me, I, I can be a little more selective, but I have to stay motivated because the motivation can leave because I don't necessarily need to do this. It's something that I want to do. And so it really makes a difference. Okay, so I, I have questions. <laughs> it's a to get up at 3 a.m. I'm like, wow. Okay, so yes. real talk, what time, what time do you go to bed? What time do you have yes. to go to bed, get up at 3, and yeah. not coffee? <laughs> Right. I, I I definitely try to be in bed by 10 p.m. I try to be in the bed. If it's past that, it's something serious, seriously going on. It's like not the norm. Like there is a client deliverable that I have to do or something of that nature. So at 10 o'clock is my cutoff. I, it just is. Um, because like you said, when you get up at 3, but I'm going to tell you, I've been doing this forever, even before I had my side gig. I would get up at 3. When I was a principal, I, I, I was a former, actually it started when I became a principal. Um, it was just so much to do. <laughs> that first year as a, a elementary principal, and then you couldn't sleep because you were so anxious, you know. And so it really started then. And what I started doing then was doing little things like reading motivational things, catching up on stuff. And so when I became a doctoral student, that time then became working on my dissertation. And so now once that was finished, I transferred that time now to my work time. So it's just an automatic time that I wake up. I mean, no alarm clock, nothing. I'm up 3 a.m. without fail. And so it, it works for me, and I've been doing it for years. I I so admire you. Like, I'm speechless. <laughs> I, I, I went to bed at 3. <laughs> I, I went to bed at 3, and um, this weekend I went to North Carolina, so I had to get, get up around 2.30, 3 o'clock to, you know, catch my flights. Because somewhere in my mind, I'm thinking, early morning, who's catching flights at that time? Apparently, everybody <laughs> is catching flights early. It's not, it's not a secret. Everybody thought the same thing, and it was ridiculous. But, And this is me when I got up, like, oh, my gosh, who wakes up this early? And you answered my question. <laughs> That's funny. I, like, I really want to, want to try that to see um, – if that, like, will help me, like, have that Rusa time before I feel like I have to go into, yeah. you know, work mode or, or I'm going to try it. And <laughs> and I will let you guys know how this experiment um, goes. So that'll be, <laughs> but, I'm going to do a, <laughs> like, that's a challenge for me. But, but do you I, stay I, up late, though? Yes. Okay. So, you know, that's not going to work. <laughs> right, right. So, because um, I had this whole thing, and I think a lot of people have, have heard it a million times, that um, some of us are day people, daytime people, some of us are nighttime people, and I read that that's a myth, that it's actually um, we've trained our bodies to be up later 
So our bodies don't function until later. So I'm like, okay, so it's not a real thing that my my brain doesn't cut on till like after a certain time. So I'm gonna, I'm going to try this. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it just because that's a whole that's a whole lot of hours earlier. You know, um, it might scare my husband. He might think something. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got to let funny. the pants tell everybody. Um, okay, so <laughs> that's that's like that's because I could imagine how much stuff you get done. Um, yeah. So as you're training leaders, as you're training people to be leaders, is that something you recommend for them to, you know, get up earlier to work on whatever they need to work on, whether it's even you know some woo-saw time, so to speak. I do, you know, not necessarily 3 a.m., but <laughs> I definitely encourage them to at least get up an hour earlier than they're used to, and especially if they have a lot going on, you know, whether it's small kids or things that they have to do as soon as they wake up because that does allow you some alone time, whether or not you journal. I'm a big journaler, and so I, I, I journal faithfully, and so that's my time to journal and reflect on the prior day and to get ready for my day ahead. And so that's my first 20 to 30 minutes. You know, I I come down to my office, I play some motivational music, and I start writing. Then I do some reading. And that's what I tell my clients. You have to find that time because if you are getting up, hustling and bustling, your whole day is going to be that way. You have to start out with some peace. (laughs) I just believe that, you know, some, some calmness, you know, some motivation or some inspiration. I do anyway. And so that's what get me started, and especially going out and dealing with a whole bunch of personalities and, 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 you know, things that you have to deal out into, you know, your own job. You have to be prepared for that. And I'm a very spiritual person, and so I, I take that time very seriously. Um, and so I might listen to the same song for two weeks, you know, depending on my mood. Like, like this week is You Will Win, um, by Jacqueline Carr, you know, like that's my first morning, my AM song. <laughs> and so it's whatever hits me, you know, I'm like, okay, that's what I need to hear as soon as I get up. And then I start my day. It is so uh, fulfilling for me. And I don't have kids. I have a little dog. And so that works for me because she's still sleepy. She'll wake up with me, but then she'll go right to sleep in my office. So I don't have her tugging at me. My husband is asleep. You know, it's quiet in the house. And so I just really recommend that alone time, whether it's 30 minutes or an hour. Just try it, you know, by your normal time. If you get up at 6, just try getting up at 5 and and putting in that time with yourself before you get started with your day. I'm so serious. I'm going to (laughs) to do it because, you know, everything you said just hit home because I feel like, Every morning, um, every time I wake up, even whether it's a scheduled time or not, I feel like I'm always uh, like I hit the ground running every every morning. You know, um, to where even when I'm trying to take my morning time for peace, it's 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 very my mind is still moving to okay, what you got to do next, what you got to do today, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. and I and I'm working on that, so I'm gonna. 
definitely side that. And then I know it's something else that we we discussed um, that I can't wait for you to tell the listeners about. Because I'm telling you, I have to calm down. Like, I need to calm it from, from just and I have no reason to be so hit the ground running. I mean, my son's 20. My pets mm. are, you know, they just do <laughs> their own pet things. You know, so, um, and I know it'll make me a better leader. So I want to ask you this question. I'm sure you've been asked this before, but I have questions. Are Do you think, are leaders born or made? You know, that is the million-dollar question, Valencia. It really is. I'm going to tell you, and I can only, I'm just going to speak from me because I, I, I see two schools of thought on that. I, I do believe that leaders are born, but I believe that you can cultivate leaders. Um, and so uh, there has to be some element of leaders, leadership in you because I've worked with people trying to develop it, and it was not happening. <laughs> They just didn't have a have it in them, and so I, I really think about me um, when I was coming up as a child, how I just never conformed to the masses. Like it, it, it just didn't even dawn on me to just do what everyone else was doing. That's the beginning of a leader, and so you know, I it was okay that everyone didn't want to do what I would do. I made up my mind this is what I wanted to do, and that's what I did, regardless of who or what. And so I believe that in order to really say that you're a leader, there has to be some level of influence. And you have your natural-born influencers there. Some people, you have to cultivate it. But I believe there has to be some element that already exists in order to cultivate it, though. So the short answer to your question is I believe they are born. That's the mm. short answer. Do you, well, I guess you're, you already answered my question because you said from the time you were born, so you you were born a leader. I, I believe that, and I believe that um, that I was actually cultivated as well, but I think my initial instinct was to lead and not necessarily follow. And I'm not saying that I don't follow because I think every leader needs to be a good follower. But my initial innate ability is to be the leader and not the follower. And so, and I think that's important because I want to make sure your listeners understand, I'm not saying that I will not follow because I'm an excellent follower as long as you're leading appropriately. <laughs> right. So uh, I can't, but my first stance, is to lead, to stand out, to be up front, to do what it is. And, and when I say up front, I don't mean the shine piece of it. I just mean to get the work done, to, to lead in that effort. So I, I do believe that, um, yeah, they're born. Absolutely. Absolutely. Were, were you called bossy as a, as a young lady, as a, as a child? Were you called bossy? I was not, Valencia, you know, because I'm going to tell you about me. I, by nature, I'm an introvert. And if you know anything about Myers-Briggs uh, with the scale, I'm at the end of the introvert scale, right? And so my energy comes from from being alone, um, and it comes from really reflecting, being a reflector. 
And so when it comes to getting things done, I use my influence to get other people to be the voice, if that makes sense. I don't have to be the sage on the stage. I can be the guide on the side and still lead. And so I think that's my magic power as a leader. Um, even when I was a building principal, it, you, you, you would walk in the building and you wouldn't be able to tell by, you know, who was on the intercom or who was doing this because I built leaders. I helped cultivate leaders. I am a distributive leader. And so I allow everyone else to be in the fold, in the front, doing all those things. That's what a good leader does. And so I, you you would not call me bossy because you wouldn't see that. And I've done that, again, from the beginning as a young child in high school, in college. I've been a leader without you knowing that I was leading. Now, that's a, now that's a leader. <laughs> hmm. Well, the reason why I asked it, and, and, I, and I love that, and but I know sometimes, uh, especially with with women, and I could say with me, like one hundred and fifty percent with me. A, as a child, as a uh, young adult, I definitely was called bossy, and mm-hmm. it's not like I was trying to, you know, be bossy. Because you know, if you think about when you were younger, like you want to be called called bossy, like that was not a good thing to be called. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I was always called bossy because, like, if we had something going on, if we were playing church kids or if we were uh, playing school as kids, we played that a lot or whatever, I had to be the the, the leader, the one in charge. Mm-hmm. And I would claim <laughs> that right, you know, I would claim it, and then it was just known. If, if we were playing whatever, I was directing the show. So um, mm-hmm. I was called called bossy a lot, and I was just wondering, like, is that a trait that people could recognize, like, in their children at a young age? Now, not being a bully, but very right. much commanding, like, okay, I'm running the show. Um, and I think a lot of little girls who are born leaders get discouraged from that uh, being leaders because they're called bossy, and bossy is almost like a bad word. And, and yeah. you're exactly right. You are exactly right. And I think there are different forms of leaders, um, and you will find that young lady um, who knows, who's very confident, and who's doing exactly what you said, and you get that negative connotation, oh, she's bossy, she's this, she's that. Yeah, that's the making of a leader. <laughs> That is exactly what that is. And so and I and I'm glad that you pointed it out. It's not the same as being the bully as being the boss because there is a difference. Um uh, but that's not always um just the only indicator as a young person because again it's back to the influence. And you don't have to be um vocal and bossy to have influence. And so it's really a different type. And I was never one um, to, you know, claim that I was the leader. Never, I, and still today, I, I just it just it just never happened because that was my my personality type. But through my actions and through my thought process, people followed, and so that's the magic of the influencer of a leader. And so you do have the two types, I believe. 
um, that you can indicate as leader, the one who's, who's very vocal and, and very commanding. Um, that's a leader. But you also have your silent ones that people follow because of the influence that you exude. So, and, and that was my type. There needs to be a test, even though I'm pretty sure I am the vocal mm-hmm. <laughs> There needs to be a, a test because I, I mean, I'm quieting down as I get older, um, mm-hmm. but I could definitely say if I wasn't 100% honest, I would say, yeah, I've definitely <laughs> be, I, if there was no question, and if there was questions, um I would definitely say, no, we're going to do it this way, you know, even <laughs> as a kid. Uh, wow. Now, mind you, I am the oldest. Um, mm-hmm. I do mm. come from, right, right. So it's not really technically not my fault. Um, I am the oldest, and out of all the grandkids uh, on both sides of my family, I am the second oldest on both sides of, like, a whole lot of cousins and stuff under me. So I would wow. put, and I'm more vocal than the cousins above me. So that wasn't mm. my fault. That was my that was my birthright. So, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so when we talk about um, women and women leading, do you think women have a problem stepping up as leaders uh, because of all of the extra that may come with it, like, you know, oh, she's bossy or this, this, and this. Do you think women have a problem with, you know, becoming leaders because of that? I think the problem, Valencia, comes when, uh, first of all, I, I'm a context person, so I, I like to keep things in context. And for me, you know, it goes all the way back to really our beginning as uh, women uh, being considered um, with a voice, first of all, you know, we, we didn't get the right to vote until 1920, right? <laughs> you know, we, we were always um, expected to be the one, the, the domestic engineer, you know, that was our role in society, silent, at home, um, cooking, cleaning, um, caring for children, having children. So that was just the role. And I think as we progress on, you will find the thought process of the men and the women finally trying to leave that behind. Um, you have, and I, and I look to my, my mother. Um, while we were in school, she was that homemaker. Um, she, you know, she cared for us. She cooked. She was there when we came home from school. She had dinner waiting for us. Um, that was old school. But I saw a shift after we got older. Uh, and could care for ourselves, that she then began to do other things. So that was a shift. And so when I say that, women are sometimes afraid to step out for whatever reason. It could be the male in their lives that have not really embraced the change of what we really can do as women. Um, You know, we still have, so many areas that we've yet conquered. I do a hashtag, still first, because every other day through my new, my news feed, I get something to say, first woman this, first woman that. Right. This is 2017, almost 2018, and we 
still have things that we've not been able to do. We have, we've yet to have a female governor in the state of Maryland, and this is a progressive state. We have yet to have a female governor. And we have, I'm I'm in education, we probably have maybe five female superintendents. (laughs) That is really, it's telling. It is telling. And until women get together and stick together and stay together, it's going to be a long road ahead of us. We are our worst enemies. We are our worst critics. We've got to stand together and support each other to say, yes, we can do this. I'm opening the door for someone else to do this. And so I just believe that it's a, we have a lot of things working against us, and, and we ourselves as women are part of that. It's sad to say, but I just got to be honest. This is what I see. And so until we get together as you know, women, and we try to do that. I think we talk a good game, but our actions need to come up with the talk, um, that we're going to find ourselves still tricking along having the first one to do this and the first one to do that. When is it going to stop? When are we going to conquer every area that's out there? There shouldn't be a thing that we haven't done yet, but it's still so many. And so just to answer your question, I do believe that there is some hesitation. We are a powerful group of people together, but we have to be together, um, and we have to stick together and stay together. So, yeah, there is some fear, um, and what that fear is, I'm not quite sure. As We have to say yes to each other and support each other. So I just would love to see more women in leadership roles, be it uh, in corporate, corporate America, because you still have companies that never had CEOs um, that were females, in education, just so many. There's a few uh, counties in North Carolina just now getting their first female police chief. It's 2017, (laughs) and we're still celebrating first. So we have a long way to go. We've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. And that's really why I wanted to do my book, Women Who Lead. That that is very special and dear to me. So I'm excited about that. You you know, you put so much stuff on on my mind because I've never actually thought about women in leadership positions enough to be bothered by it. You know, and, and that's just <laughs> yep. me being being honest. Um because yep. when I when and I think that's probably you know, most people's thoughts because mm-hmm. even when people say things about, you know, women, uh the money women make compared to men and so on and so forth and I'm like, What? How do you <laughs> even know who makes what? Like that's, you know, me being honest in my mind. I'm like, how do we even know this? And um, right. and I don't know if that's where, you know, because I'm, I'm very Southern, and I am mm-hmm. very much a mix of old school and new school. But yeah. when I came into this world, I still had my great-grandmother. Wow. So there are some things that, Traditionally, you know, I've seen and and I've always looked at the women in my family because the majority of them were single parents. Um, 
But I've always looked at them as, you know, strong women. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if I, if I would have said, oh, they're leaders, they're going to lead us to this way or that way, but I've recognized them as being strong women. Um, what do you think the difference is between a quote-unquote woman that's a strong woman versus a woman that is a, a leader? Well, you know what, I really, because first of all, leader, being a leader is not about position. Um, it really isn't. And so I, I really believe that we as women are leaders, period. We have to first just own it uh, because men rely on us. <laughs> they rely right. on us regardless of what they say. So we are leaders. I don't care what your position is. Um, it doesn't matter what you do, what your career is, if you have a career. They, I can just almost guarantee you that in some form, some fashion, you are leading something. And whether you own that or not is really what the key is. Because I think about when I um, compiled this anthology of over 20 amazing women, I'm talking about attorneys, medical doctors, you know, and some of them have to even question, am I a leader? And I'm thinking, like, you don't know you are a leader? Like, something is wrong with that. And so until we own our power, we are powerless. And so we've got to know that we have the power in order to have the power. And so I I just, for me, it's really about empowering these young ladies because that's when I when I gathered this anthology, that's who was in the back of my mind. These young girls coming up. I mentor middle school girls and I was just so disheartened by the quickness that they were defeated when, when things came upon them. And I had to tell them, don't you know every woman who is doing that you see who are doing great things went through struggles and obstacles and challenges? The difference is they didn't let that stop them. And you, as, as a, a young lady coming up, middle school, high school, looking forward to college, you've got to carry that with you because there are going to be things thrown at you. You've got to pick it up and make something good out of it. You cannot let it deter you. And so I just think we have to own who we are and the power that we have. I think that's really the gap, is that we don't own our greatness. We don't own that. You have to know you're great in order to be great. And so I just I think we need to have a little more awareness of what we really possess. Mm. Own your greatness. I hope yes. you guys are taking notes, you know, classes in session. You know what I thought about while you were talking, and, and I would love to get your opinion on this. You always see uh, hashtag girl boss or I'm a boss this or boss that, boss that as a woman, you know, uh, women bosses, girl, you know, like all of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so much focus on being a boss woman versus being a leader. And mm-hmm. there and there is a difference. And honestly, this is something I just really kind of started paying attention to, that aspect of it this year, the difference between a bo- being a boss and being a leader. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. and the, even the difference between being a boss and a CEO, you know. Mm. But you don't see too many hashtag woman leader or women in leadership mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. anything of that. It's always about being being a boss and. I think those are two different things. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, they're very much two different things, and that's one of my hashtags as well, women who lead, uh, which is why, you know, I I entitled my book that um, because of that very reason. (laughs) It is always about being the boss. But I I tell you what, when you lead, you are really making a difference because I take, for me, being a boss, and, and it's okay. Being a boss is wonderful, and, and, and it really depends on, you know, how they're defining themselves as the mm-hmm. boss, the boss of me and all of that good stuff. But I really think that it's a merit to leading um, because you can boss people, but can you lead them? Where are you taking them? Mm-hmm. And see, that it's a difference. It's a difference. When you know where you're going, when the destination is clear, the path will appear. I believe that. I believe that. And so a leader knows the destination. They know where you're going. So in order to know where you're going, then you have to know the path to get there. And I think that to me, that's the difference. The leader knows that because he's all, he or she has already projected the problems that's going to come, the pitfalls that are going to come. You're leading by example. You know what to expect. You've researched it. You've experienced it. So now you are guiding slash leading the individuals through that path because you know the way. And so to me, there's merit in that, you can boss people all day, <laughs> but is it out of respect or is it out of fear? When you follow a leader, it's out of respect because you believe in what that leader possesses. You have faith in that leader. To me, that's the difference. You can be a boss all day, but can you lead? So, wow. Well, guys, I suggest you ask yourself that. <laughs> that question, that, that's, a, that's a very important question, and I have seen um, a lot of people with that quote-unquote leader title, and they're really not leading. They're just being bossy. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and I've seen, you know, people that are, that are leaders, you know, really not not step up um, and really not know how, you know, like it, it's, it's crazy because, like I said, it's, it's really changing a mindset of wanting to, of understanding that being the boss, you could boss anything. I could boss my animals around this house, but can I lead them to listen to what I say so I don't have to boss them, you know? Uh, that's very interesting. Now you said um, we're talking earlier, and we're and I want to just hit on the some of the qualities of being a leader, because like you said, every everybody's not not a leader. But what are the what are some of the qualities um, to being a leader? 
Or um, absolutely. A good leader, right, exactly, because <laughs> there is a difference. And, you know, in order to be effective as a leader, um, you really have to be responsive to the needs of those you serve. And, and I say serve because, first of all, you have to be one who knows you are a servant leader. You are there to serve the people. That's the first thing. And, and so if you have the mentality of uh, you are the you are it, because you're the leader, then you're more of that boss that we were talking about before. So when you are a leader, you are a servant. And I know some people might have a problem with that, but truly, once you are responsive to the needs of the people you're following, you become the servant. You really, you are there to serve them. Um, also, I think in order to lead effectively, you have to be able to act, assess, and adjust. And so you're going to do the action. You're going to assess what it is that you've done, and then you're going to make those adjustments when appropriate. Uh, a leader is just not going to keep doing things and not going to stop and do a check to say how it's going. And if something is not going right, then fix it, right? So you have to adjust your actions because not everything you do is going to be perfect or it's going to be what's best. So you try it, you assess it, and then you fix it if it's not right. The next thing I would have to say is you have to be a visionary. You have to be able to see past today. Um, it's really the big picture thinking. You have to make those projections to see where your company, your organization, your people, whatever you have, where is it going and what do we need? You know, we have what we call the pipeline. In education, we call it the principal pipeline, where we are projecting um, and trying to develop leaders to, to take over schools when we have the vacancies. So as a leader, you have to be able to project those needs for years down the road. Um, you know, you have to say, you know, well, I'm going to, I think we're going to have about 20% of our workforce that's going to be leaving, whether it's retirement, whether it's attrition, regardless of what it is. So you have that projection. So you're going to have to be working back here, getting them ready to be ready to take over. So that's that visionary leadership. Also, you have to be collaborative. You cannot do it by yourself. So an effective leader is going to have good people around them. You're going to have people who compliment you because you're not going to have a strength in everything, right? So you're going to have to find the people that will have the things that you need in your team and on your team. That's important. And so a good leader knows that. They know what their strengths are, and they know the things that they're going to have to have people around them to do. That's so important. Um, and, you know, I would say also, uh, an effective leader is a good listener. And I, I don't take that lightly because we have so many people who listen to respond versus listening to listen. <laughs> they're so ready to come back with a response that they're not really listening to what you're saying. And so when you are leading people, you've got to hear what they're saying. And that goes back to the first one, being responsive to their needs. If something's not right, you've got to be the problem solver. 
or at least know what to do in order to solve the problem. Even if you're not solving it, you know where to go to solve it. And so it's really, and all of these things really can can be for any leader. And that's why I always say leadership is leadership. I don't care if it's education, if it's entrepreneurship, if it's small business, if it's politician, I don't care what it is. Leadership is leadership. And so in order to be effective, you're going to have to master some of these things that it takes to be an effective leader. And that's really why it's the core in everything that I do, in everything. It's the core. It's really building those leadership skills. Do you do you think as a leader you have a lot of weight on your shoulders? You do. You do. And, you know, the – and that's why it's so important to have good people around you. Um, when you become, it's a lot on the leader. And I, when, when you said that, I immediately thought of a school leader, only because that's really my world. But it goes for anything. You know, whether you're the CEO of a company, um, it doesn't matter. You do. There is a lot of weight, but if you have some good people, on your team, as Jim Collins say, the right people on the bus, you will have some of that weight lifted off of you. You cannot do it all. And those leaders who try, they fail. You cannot do it all. And and the problem with that is if you don't have the right people around you, you're giving them responsibilities, and it's not working. If you have a business and you do that, you're not going to stay in business. So that's that's crucial, which is why so many people end up trying to do it all because they want it done correctly, uh, because their livelihood depends on it, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Um, And so you really have to invest in good people to make sure that the people around you are responsible and knowledgeable enough to carry on your vision as if you would. And so that's important. And that comes with time and that comes with some investment. And so, yes, it is a lot on leaders. It absolutely is to answer your question. That is, uh, and you hit so many points and, and thank you for that because I know um, as a businesswoman and a, a leader, I do have a lot on on my shoulders. But mm. part of the problem is, um, you know, this is y'all know I be honest on the show. I <laughs> feel like I need like I know if I do it, it's going to be done right. So, but I also know that if I have to put my hands on it, if I have to, you know, if I, if I continue like that, then I'm going to either end up in somebody's hospital from a stress issue or end up just like, you know, just, oh, I'm done with everything, you know. Um, So I have one, you know, I have started to look into people to take some of the weight you know, um, off my shoulders so that, you know, my businesses can grow. 
which mm-hmm. means I have to uh, relinquish some control in some areas that's not even necessary for me to even control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So how how <laughs> did you ever deal with that issue, and how did you deal with that? Well, you know, and I would have to go back to my days um, as a principal. Um, that was really, um, really crucial, um, really developing people's capacity to help out with that, that whole leadership responsibility. And what you do, and it's probably easier in that setting versus um, entrepreneurship because, again, you're talking about your livelihood and you want to make sure that the people that you are entrusting um, to do these things are going to be, um, you know, working with some integrity um, and knowledge so that your business will continue to flourish. But I really take the time to work with the individuals that are around me. And I think even now, um, as I start out on my entrepreneurial journey, like I recently just had to hire an assistant. I had a virtual assistant, um, but I just recently had to hire an actual assistant um, because of so much stuff going on, and I am working full time. So, you know, my time did not allow me to do that. And so you're talking about a long process. <laughs> trying to get someone that, first of all, you trusted, someone that you felt that, you know, was knowledgeable, was going to, I'm talking, you know, in your emails, answering emails, that's serious stuff, right? right. <laughs> so, you know, that's, you can't take that lightly. Um, and so it was a long process for me. Um, and, and, and I still, like I said, I just, just finished going through that. So, it, the the jury's out, you know, how it's going to work. I'm going to have faith that it's going to work, but it's still out because I, I did my due, due diligence and, you know, interviewing and going through background checks and talking to uh, references and recommendations and all of that good stuff um, just because I needed the help, I needed the assistance because I don't want my business to suffer because I'm doing so much. But at the same time, I want to make sure I have the right person here. And as I continue to grow, because I, I, I'm just a believer that it's going to flourish, that I'm going to actually have to hire other people in the future. Like, that would be an awesome thing. But it's going to take time for me to find the people who I trust. Trust is really big with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just believe that if you do take the time, and then if it's not working, you put a stop to it immediately. Like, don't let it go on. Like, I can do that with no problem. Um, But I think the work has to come up front uh, before you say you're hired, you know, to really go through all the things that you expect. And, and like, the, the, the person that I just recently hired, you know, it's a probation period. That was understood. Because I got to make sure this is the right fit. And I'm not going to just give you everything (laughs) right now. We're going to take it baby steps. I'm going to give you this, you know, see how you work with this. Then I'll give you another project, see how you work with this until we build up uh, onto that trust factor. And and I see that you are able to handle all that it is that I'm doing. So I think it just takes time and some investment up front, and that's investment of time and other resources that you need to make sure you have the right person to help you out. And I and I have to work on 
that controlling part of me. Um, <laughs> just let it go, Valencia. Just let it go. Like it is yeah. ridiculous. Like I know. Like I, I, in admitting it, what the admitting it is the first step. So yes. we will see. But uh, twenty eighteen, um, it is on my vision board though. It's okay. been on my vision for two years. Uh, but we're we're I'm working, Lord. I'm working on it. So as we get, we have like four minutes left in, in okay. the show and. I've learned so much and have taken so many notes because I definitely want to be a better leader in yes. in in just period. But going into 2018, I know, um, you know, because I, I I'm a a leader and I and I need to up my leadership factor, so to speak. Yes, uh, in mm-hmm. good ways to be a more effective yes. leader. So what is the one tip uh, that you would give somebody like me or, or someone here that recognizes, okay, I am in a position of leadership. How can I be a better leader? You know, and I really, I would have to say, um, don't be afraid to give up the good and go for the great. And, and and I say that, and that, that again, that's another, I love Jim Collins, by the way. He, he has a book called Good to Great. And I think that because we are doing okay, it keeps us from doing really okay, if that makes sense. So I really think to up-level, to be the best you can be, you have to go for great. Um, you may be doing okay, you're doing everything that you need to do, but really know those things that will help you up-level your business and do those things. Take action and do them. That's why I believe so much in that quarterly assessment, uh, which I started doing last year, really assessing my business every quarter. Like now we're here at the end of fourth quarter. I have started assessing what has worked, what has not worked, because I'm going into the first quarter of 2018 with some improvements, just like you said. So don't let the good stop you from being great. That would be my advice. Go for the great, and you do whatever it takes to get there. Okay. And you said, and what was the, the book you, you said? Um, good to Great, Jim Collins. I'm going to have to see if it's on Audible because the way yes. my time is set up until I start discussing <laughs> 3 a.m. I know, that's right. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I, that, that would definitely be it. And that's, some, that's, great, that's great advice. Um, I'm definitely going to look into that. Even, even the quarterly assessment being more consistent, mm-hmm. With that, yes. really evaluating it with a um, a critical eye instead of my mm-hmm. eye, which will come with, yeah, but this happened and that <laughs> happened. Like really, you know, because we could always exactly. excuse our own behavior. Yeah, you know, we could always so true. Our, our right. So, um, I I'm gonna work on that that part. <laughs> And I'm definitely going to check out the the song you said earlier. You will win. Oh my god! I'm going to check that out too. 
Please and, check uh, it out. Oh my goodness. I'm determined to do one day. I'm one day one day. I'm gonna get up <laughs> at three o'clock one day and <laughs> so just um see. I'm just I've gotta see what you know, that means yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna see y'all hurt hear me, hold me accountable, but I will post it. If you see posting at three o'clock, um <laughs> just know what's going on in my world. So, <laughs> Dr. Sharon, uh, class of 2018, Women Who Lead, how can the audience find out more about your books? How can they get in touch with you? you know, how, can, how can we just get to know you and be better leaders? Absolutely. You can find me on social media at I am Dr. Sharon. Um, that's on Twitter and Instagram, um, Facebook, IamDrSharon.com. That'll take you straight to my Facebook page. Um, that's where I um, post everything from. Um, everything that I do is from that. Uh, and the book is Class of 2017, uh, but it is coming out in December. Um, and also Women Who Lead, which is going to be a phenomenal um, anthology. And we're planning um, several tours, one in Atlanta, um, I think two in North Carolina and then one in the Washington, D.C. area. So I, I definitely hope that you uh, look for that. And you can also go to womenwholeadanthology.com and sign up for the uh, subscription. And when we have our date set, um, you will get an email with that. And that's womenwholeadanthology.com. And, again, my social media is I am Dr. Sharon on Twitter, Instagram, I am DrSharon.com on Facebook. Guys, you have the information. You know, at the beginning of the show, pens and papers should always be ready. I've taken great notes. I know you guys have, too. Thank you so much, Dr. Sharon. I am learning uh, so much to to take into 2018. And... Um, I have so much homework, which is why I definitely have to to take a take a break sometimes, guys. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, this pens and papers down. Class is officially over. Now next Tuesday will be an awesome recorded interview that I did with the fabulous Adele Bramage. So you can tell with that name, she does have an accent. You get two accents in one show. What could be better than that? Um, You're going to learn a lot. We're still on our countdown to 2018. So make sure you log on to the show to catch that episode, which will be released next Tuesday. Have a great week, and remember only you can define you. Class is officially over. Thanks for listening to Define You Radio. Class is in session. Connect with the show at www.defineuradio.com. Pins and papers down. Class is over.